Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What's good, everybody? We had a lot to discuss this week, so like we do from time to time, we thought we'd chop our episodes up for your listening convenience. This half of the episode consisted of domestic, political, and economic news only. The second half will consist of blackity-black-black news, as well as world affairs. Be sure to check that to stay informed, baby! I'm Patience Adamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Drip, a podcast about political decision-making during a racial revolution. Stay tuned as we analyze Canadian news and Black issues on a weekly basis. And if you like what you hear, if you think we've got the sauce, subscribe. On this week's episode, we discuss some of the top headlines from the week of May 16th, including... Ontario having a reopening plan, and this time, it actually makes sense. 50% of Canadians are now on track to be vaccinated by mid-August. The housing market cooling in March, but prices still being way too damn high. Illinois man suing police for mistaking his daughter's ashes for meth. BC's first black judge gets racially profiled. No surprise there. Japan, now in its fourth wave, receiving pressure to cancel Summer Olympics. And plenty more. To kick off our politics segment, this week, Incognito Premier Doug Ford releases three-step reopening plan that would see restrictions loosened over the coming months, including allowing some outdoor activities to resume May 22nd. Amenities like basketball courts can now be used by groups of up to five. Step one starting June 14th or two weeks after 60% of Ontario adults have at least one COVID shot, will allow us to resume activities like gathering in groups of up to 10 people, outdoor dining in groups of up to four people per table, non-essential retail at 15% capacity, attending outdoor religious services and ceremonies so long as physical distancing can be maintained, outdoor sports training and personal training for up to 10 people, and more. Step two could begin in July or once 70% of Ontarians have their first dose and 20% have both doses and would essentially see further relaxing of the restrictions I already mentioned. The third and final step would see life return mostly back to normal and could begin in August or when 70 to 80% of Ontario adults have gotten one dose of the vaccine and 25% have gotten both. And we've got the full details of the reopening plan in our show notes, so make sure you check that out if you need any clarity. So... What are others saying about it? Doctors are essentially happy. Uh, Even before the announcement, Dr. Steeny Brown said he was cautiously optimistic about the latest modeling, showing a downward trend in cases and hospitalizations. And there's the reality that data shows the rollout of vaccines and hotspots is working. 
and essentially we're managing the third wave. So that's good. Dr. Abu Sharkawi, CTV infectious diseases specialist, said, quote, the principles are fairly sound. His only concern is sticking to arbitrary thresholds regarding vaccination rates to determine moving from one stage to the next. He says, yes, vaccines are the biggest tool in our toolkit, and the vaccines can't work alone if we don't use them strategically. That means that when we're opening indoor operations, we do so while watching what's happening in our healthcare system. One dose isn't enough. We can't be too hasty to reopen too quickly. For political reaction, essentially, mayors are pretty happy. Uh, Mayor Patrick Brown, Adam Branton said Doug Ford could have gone further, but this is progress. It's good to see outdoor amenities reopened. Business leaders. Business leaders are not happy, fam. I mean, I heard Mark McEwen on, on CP24. On CP24, I heard the CEO of, I believe, Indico just railing against Doug Ford, mm-hmm. um, saying that he absolutely does not care about businesses. And, and um, you know, I, I'm no fan of Doug Ford. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it was kind of just rich hearing that from these business leaders i think so too those two in particular them two in particular now like the reason i'm a little hesitant to say that is because it's not as if we're just talking about business leaders who maybe have lost some revenue for a few weeks or even a few months i mean we are talking about over a year and so whereas yes we can say well they probably should have had some sort of money saved up for themselves they're already getting support in other areas it pr- might be fair. It might be fair to say, look, it's it, it's been a while and, and they need to come back strong too. There's also the reality that although Doug Ford finally brought in paid sick leave, he still has not truly done anything to support businesses. I mean, I, I know that he has the, uh, I forget exactly what it's called, but offering, I think, small businesses up to $25,000 and, and oh. only a few hundred businesses have access to that. So, I mean, it's it's a program that obviously works for those who can access it, but so many people can access it, right? right. So it's, 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 it's kind of a catch-22 for me. It's like, I don't really feel sorry for you as businesses or as major businesses, as opposed to small businesses, but I do also acknowledge that Doug Ford should be doing more. That's just point blank, period. What do you think? Yeah, it is a bit of an impossible situation for Doug Ford at this time. I will agree with you in saying, you know, neither of us are the biggest fans of Doug Ford, but mm. this plan makes sense. Yeah. Um, outdoor dining in groups of up to four people per table um, is more than we've had. <laughs> like, And I, I get it, McEwen, and, and in terms of non-essential retail at 15% capacity, 15% capacity does seem low, but it's you're, you're non-essential, so I mean to to make a case for for non-essential retail at this point is it's probably a little too soon. So sorry, Indigo, um, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, can we just focus on getting all of us kind of back to to where we were, or, or as close to where we were pre-pandemic, and, and not focus on um, jumping the gun. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Um, I'm interested in your thoughts on movie theaters reopening and reopening because I initially, when, you know, the new plan was announced and I was kind of figuring everything out, I said, okay, I, I, I can respect that gyms aren't open. I can respect that movies aren't accessible. 
But when I looked at the data and I also took in what's happening in Quebec Mm -hmm. with regards to movie theaters in particular and the fact that they, not even just Quebec, literally anywhere in the world, apparently, and this is just based on the data that I've seen, no cases have come from movie theaters. And then again, in Quebec in particular, they've been operating, I think, at least since the beginning of the year, if not uh, sooner or or, uh, if not earlier. And again, they've had no cases in, in, in theaters. And that's what they say is that's a direct result of the dynamics of movie theaters, right? Super high ceilings. You're masked up. Oh. You're not talking in the theater anyway. Um, oh. you're, you're also going to have physical distancing measures. So you're not supposed to be really by others anyway, right? So there's that. And then again, gyms. Now, I looked at the data for gyms in comparison to all COVID cases from the beginning of the pandemic until February. So this past February, which is the data that is available on, on, on from the Ontario government. And I mean, look, I, it, basically in a year, there have been like 400 or so confirmed cases, I think I saw in gyms. Whereas in other cases, there have been thousands yeah, in like yeah. retail spaces and there have been no deaths from gyms where there have been deaths in other cases. So I'm actually a little stumped. Maybe gyms should reopen too. Like, so again, what do you think? I'm less worried about gyms, more worried about movie theaters. But after you have after you spoke, I'm like, oh, you know what? High ceilings, you're not supposed to be talking anyway. It would probably be really easy to institute distancing because you just like skip two seats and then the next group sits. So it probably would be really easy to do that. Um, but I guess my, my initial reaction, my gut reaction to movie theaters is that I have always known movie theaters to be some of the most disgusting places. (laughs) Like it's gross. Like they, they don't get into all the nooks and crannies of, 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 I mean, I'm speaking as a former Cineplex employee, like they don't clean those theaters (laughs) the way you would want. You know what I mean? Like in this era of sanitizing everything and making sure that everything is, is clean, it's, it's, it's not historically known as as a very clean place but hey the 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 numbers speaks volumes um and in terms of gyms i i i i think gyms will be fine i i think it's really easy to to get a little bit relaxed on um the the management of gyms in terms of um sanitizing and in terms of you know people go there and they they they're sick like people do go to the gym when they're sick to feel better uh and i guess curbing that culturally is something that maybe we've already done i don't know gyms throw me off man you're sweating it's all about like this this shared experience like you, you take off your mask like i don't know like, yuck i mean so look I, so i'm the opposite of you in terms of what i think is safer yeah i think movie theaters are far safer than gyms yeah but how do I feel about gyms? I, I, I like, obviously I want to go back to the gym. Like I, there's, I'm not here shutting it down. So like, I want to go back, but I'm, I'm not sure it's, and, and I see the data, but I don't know if I trust people in that setting where, you know, like you were talking about with Cineplex, it just, it's not the cleanest setting. I, I'm in favor of Cineplex opening. And I'm not just saying that because I invest in them. Um, I guess we'll see how that goes. Yeah.
Jumping to our next political story, 50% of Canadians are on track to be vaccinated by mid-August. According to Public Health Agency of Canada President Ian Stewart, Canada will hit the important milestone of getting 20% of the population fully vaccinated in June and reach 50% of us having our second dose by end of July or early August. Those two thresholds are crucial because once achieved, it means we can start to reopen, and we've kind of already been talking about that. Indeed, Canada's vaccination pace has increased significantly in the past few weeks. On Friday, Deputy Chief Public Health Officer Howard New pointed to the number of vaccinations doubling from 10 million shots administered between December and mid-April to almost 20 million doses administered in the past five weeks alone as of Friday. Between this news and vaccine procurement and polling from Angus Reid toward the end of April showing that 83% of Canadians are going to get their vaccine, including 86% in Ontario, I'm feeling pretty good about summer. That said, we're still experiencing some problems. Prior to this week, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau had been promising that we'd receive a delivery of between 48 and 50 million doses of the vaccine, but that number was downgraded by Public Health Agency of Canada last week to a minimum of 40 million doses. Hmm. We also still don't have details about the looming deliveries because Ottawa is still waiting to finalize the shipment details from Moderna, COVAX, and AstraZeneca, and for a quality control review of Johnson & Johnson's vaccine. Mr. Matthew said, quote, until that Johnson & Johnson facility is cleared up uh, from a regulatory perspective, we're on hold in terms of that schedule. That said, Intergovernmental Affairs Minister Dominic LeBlanc says he's, quote, confident that the 40 million number will increase to reflect the doses we expect to receive from Moderna. In order for that 40 million vaccine target to be met by end of June, Moderna has to deliver another 6.6 million doses of its vaccine. And as of Friday, Patricia Gauthier, manager of Moderna's Canadian operations, suggested she still expects Moderna to meet its target for the second quarter of the year. So we'll see. The next Moderna shipment is expected, by the way, in the first week of June. Canada also needs other sources of vaccines if it's to hit its 48 million uh, vaccine mark. But those sources aren't yet solidified either. For example, the government was expecting a shipment of 1.5 million doses from the Serum Institute of India, but the Institute won't be shipping any more vaccines until the end of the year. I wonder why that is. Hmm. We're still missing about a million doses from the COVAX fund, and although we're getting a shipment in June, we don't have clarity yet on how much the shipment will contain. The feds are also expecting a separate shipment of 1 million doses directly from AstraZeneca in June. Uh, any thoughts on the development of vaccine rollout here in Ontario? No, I mean, I think it's been wonderful. The last last month really has seen, uh, in, in terms of my circle, a complete um, shift in terms of who has access to, to vaccines and who's actually going to get them. So good. that's been wonderful to see. That's good. That's very good. And what about for you and your, your circle? I, you know... Um, I haven't really been talking to people about vaccines to like, okay. So like when I, for example, when I posted that I got my shot, I, I talked to a lot of people who also got their shot. So yeah, mm -hmm. there's, there's lots of people who got it, but like, I'm not talking to people one-on-one -on -one yeah, because it's uncomfortable for certain people. I it mean, is. literally I, 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 so I, I was talking to a, a few friends actually um, the other day at once and um, basically like, a friend of ours in Alberta, we just rang him in for the conversation. And, um, you know, I started to talk about the fact that I, I had my shot and, and you could kind of hear on the call, like things got awkward. So that's just an example. I, I just don't bring it up in most yeah. cases, you know? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jumping to our final political story this week. This was an excellent week in transit news for residents of the greater Toronto and Hamilton area, home to 20% of Canada's population. And here's why. The federal government committed to spending more than $12 billion on five major and long-time common transit projects. And $10.4 billion of that money is going to four Toronto projects alone. The funding couldn't have come at a more dire time. Even though both the feds and province had already poured $1.3 billion into emergency money or in emergency money into the TTC, it was still in the red due to a 73% fall in ridership since the start of the pandemic up through this past April. But this investment isn't just about recovering from 2020 or 2021, right? It's about planning for 2041 Mm -hmm. and 2051 and the eventual increase in demand for transit due to climate change and immigration. So why don't we take a look at where the money is going in Toronto? For our Scarborough commuters, a portion of the money will build the controversial Scarborough subway extension, adding three more stops and a 7.8-kilometer stretch of tunnel along Line 2, or the Bloor Danforth Line, between Kennedy Station and Shepherd Ave, through Scarborough Town by 2029-2030, so within the decade. Mm-hmm. The Eglinton Crosstown LRT extension would build continuous rapid transit along Eglinton Ave between Scarborough and Mississauga by 2031. On Young Street North, construction would extend the subway's line one north to the suburbs of Vaughan, Markham, and Richmond Hill sometime after 2031. And finally, the Ontario line, the most prominent of the Toronto projects, will bring rapid transit from the CNE through downtown to the Ontario Science Centre with an expected completion date of 2029. There's also money to buy 16 new streetcars for the TTC. For Hamilton, PM Trudeau said the government will spend $3.4 billion to support the light rail transit line that will run from Master University through downtown to Eastgate Centennial Park in Stony Creek. So what's the opposition saying? I know as early as two years ago, even um, Stephen Del Duca, the Ontario Liberal Party leader, said, listen, I have a better plan for transit, but at this point, at this point, we just need to get something built. And so if this is the plan, if Doug Ford's plan is the one we're, we're going to build, yeah. let's just get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he pretty much probably feels the same way today. Ontario NDP leader Andrea Horvath, she tried to spin it claiming that she brought this win for the Ontario NDP in getting the, uh, the LRT built. All this to say, this is a good time for transit users. It is a good time for this region. And I'm certainly hoping that this investment is going to uh, improve quality of life for everybody, everybody over the next decade. I don't know, Patience, does it, does it make you wish, does it make you want to drive less? The idea of having more transit or how do you feel about it? I mean, like, obviously, we, we just focused on the investments in Toronto and in Hamilton. But really what I'm looking forward to is getting closer to this greater Golden Horseshoe or Southern Ontario, like, connection plan. Like, I want I want to see that one day it will be easy to get across the province mm. on public transit. And um, I know we, we already spoke about it, or maybe we didn't speak about this. Um, but we're, we're losing some transit infrastructure, not public transit, but um, we lost Greyhound. So mm-hmm. I think adding, 
more connections to our existing public infrastructure or pu- public transit infrastructure can never be bad. It's yeah. always political. So I'm hoping that we get some firmer dates than before 2029 and after 2031 and we start to get a, a real plan. But this is really encouraging to see what Trudeau is doing for, from the, the federal level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, how do you think this will impact Doug Ford? and his political viability. I don't, I know this sounds bad, but I don't think this has anything to do. This has not shifted how I feel about Ford at all. I I, like this makes it clear that, that the liberal government, the liberal and the NDP governments really, really prioritize transit and doesn't say anything about Ford we're getting support so he has to build like you know what i mean like <laughs> or am i missing something like th- this is not him pushing for all of these extensions and and doing the research and making the connections no this is money coming from the federal level and now there's no excuse to not build i, I mean i agree there's no ex- there's definitely no excuse to not build but i i think that his government would push back in saying that they've been pushing this for quite some time. And I mean, it's fair to say, it's probably reasonable to say that he has. I mean, this has been, he made the announcement, I think in 2018 for these projects and saying he made it pretty clear that he wants federal support and now he's finally got the federal support. So I'm not sure that he's like, I'm not sure that this isn't his, his, his plan to push. You know what I mean? You think that, the, I, I don't know. I've, I've, I've never known them to be really pushing maybe i haven't paid enough attention but they they don't seem to be to be talking about transit that often no they do they do like and and transit transit at least it's said is supposed to be a bipartisan issue and so like you know if you even look at the details of, of doug ford's plan I, at least me anyway, I'm one of those folks who looks at it and says, look, this plan could be a lot better, but at this point, just build it, right? Yeah. Um, like, apart from that, the negative ramifications that I've heard is that, like, the plan or the path for the Ontario line, for example, is ideal for developers. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I mean, it, what is the actual problem with that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Yep, nothing wrong with that. I don't think. I'm not, I'm not sure what the issue is. Yeah. So... Jumping to the Canadian economy, home sales slumped last month. Are prices next? So taking a look at our housing market, last week the Canadian Real Estate Association said the number of homes sold in April fell by 12.5% compared to March, which was the busiest month on record. And interestingly, sales were down in 85% of markets across Canada, including almost everywhere in Ontario and BC. And get this. Although month-over-month prices rose across almost the entire country, they actually fell by 2.67% in Ontario, 4.55% in New Brunswick, and 0.16% in Manitoba from March to April 2021, resulting in Canada's average home prices dropping 2.76% between that same time. So what's going on? The stress test hasn't been brought in. That's next month. Mm. But if you ask Mortgages of Canada founder Samantha Brooks, she'll tell you that sales are coming down from their record highs because people are tired (laughs) and they've given up. Quote, 
Quote, buyer fatigue is real, she told CBC News. If you're putting in offers on 10, 20 homes, you're tired and probably thinking you're wasting your time right now. But that's the reality because there's nothing in the price range for the average person, end quote. But who knows? Because as TD Bank economist Rishi Sondi says, we'll see what the future brings. Quote, more months of information are required to assess whether the market still has upward momentum or if activity is indeed on a cooling path. However the near-term story plays out, we expect sales to trend lower in the second half as rising interest rates and stricter stress tests begin to bite. This should also sap some steam from the price growth, he said. Speaking of uncertainty, real estate data is also showing that COVID has thrown the usual seasonal patterns of real estate out the window. Usually the housing market starts the year off slow before picking up as the weather heats up And by the end of summer, sales slow as school starts before slowing further toward the end of the year. And for the record, while the number of home sales is slowing and prices are reversing in some cases, the cost of home ownership is still astronomical, fam. (laughs) The average price of a Canadian home that sold in April increased 41.9% year over year. Whoa rising to 696000 But that's across Canada, right? So if you look at the house price index, which is a better metric than looking at overall home prices since it adjusts for different markets and types of housing, housing still rose 23%. Wow. It's highest annual increase since 2005. Wild. So it's good to hear that prices have dropped, at least in Ontario and a couple of other provinces. But I would love to know how the third wave played a role in these changes. I mean, what's your perspective on the reason for this change, Patience? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, obviously the pandemic has made a home mean something a little bit different than it has traditionally, you know? Um, I know that I have, I I have a pretty large home given that I I live by myself right now with, with my son, but um, I have even been looking for a bigger home and there's two of us in a three bedroom home. So people are, are looking at homes a little bit differently than they did two years ago when uh, a box in the sky was fine because you're never home, but now that you're always home, you need a home office and you need um, just a little bit more. Uh, people are looking for jobs where they can work from home. People are more comfortable moving out of the court. We've talked about this on the podcast before. Yeah, we have. Um, so what do you think? Um, you know, my thoughts are, obviously, I want to see home prices fall. I, I can't really speak to why they're falling right now, at least in Ontario, because we, we don't know, right? Yeah. I'd like to see some specific, you know, I'd like to have an understanding as to what is actually happening. Right. Um, but look, what we all expect, what we all need, and this was pointed out, I think, by um, uh, the Canadian Real Estate Association's uh, CEO, is that what we all need to see is, is these prices dropping precipitously. You've just listened to episode 59 of The Trip. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. We're releasing pods on a weekly basis, so subscribe to stay up to date. You can also keep up with us on our Instagram and through our Patreon pages dedicated to the podcast. Follow us or support us at the Drip TO. We love our many non-BIPOC listeners, but we have a message specifically to our Black listeners. We hope that you know that this is a safe space for you. So if you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to slide in our DMs and let us know what's up. We'd also like to give a special shout out to Toronto's very own Beyond Location for our new sound. You can find more tracks from him wherever you get your music. See y'all next time. 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 